Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey, thanks for singing, everyone. Can we thank our team for leading us? And yeah, thanks, thanks, worship team. Thank you. You can have a seat. And uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you or say hi, my name is Dominic, and I'm uh, the pastor here. And uh, just such a joy to meet some of you. I've met some of you already here for the first time. A special welcome to you if you're here for the first time. Thanks, bro. Uh, summertime maybe is, is that kind of season. You're visiting family, or you're, you know, you're just exploring what you believe, or you just realized, hey, Sunday morning, you know, I want to think about taking a break from my routine of life, you know, that maybe is where you're at. But for those of us who call the 180 our home, uh, church is not just something we just squeeze in the routine. It's something we kind of really commit to every week. And I said that to my neighbor once. I said, you know, on Sunday mornings, I teach at a church. I'm a pastor. I was explaining this to a neighbor. And they're like, every Sunday? I'm like, yeah, even in the midweek, I do some. They're like, even in the week? You know, I realized that for some people, that that's such a, a new concept. So maybe that for you is still a new concept, and we're so happy that you're here. And actually, if you are here, you've landed in an important series that we're in, learning about a story and a time in the Bible that is one of the most beautiful yet difficult to read about stories in all of the Bible. It's such a, I mean, a beautiful time in the way God responds to the prayers of his people. And maybe you have questions about prayer or about whether God's not answering your prayers. Actually, we have paintings in the back of the room. And the, the book that we're learning about, the middle painting, is really captured in the fact that we're learning about the Exodus. This time in the Bible where God sets his people free, and as he sets them free, he's trying to teach them that they're not only set free from being slaves in Egypt, they're not only set free to find their best life or be successful, they're free because he's going to form them into his people. And I want you to think for a minute, maybe to kind of get your head into the story of the Exodus a little bit, I want you to think of a time where you've tried to break a bad habit. You ever tried to break a bad habit in your life? Anyone? Chocolate addicts out there? Anybody? That's my house. We can have chocolate in our house or my wife eats it all. No, I'm kidding. I eat it all. Okay. We have habits. All of us have different habits. Maybe you've struggled with, you know, just whether it's exercise or your sleep schedule or smoking and you're like, you're trying to break a habit. You know how hard it is to kind of move past a habit and be like, I don't want to do the old things I was, I was doing. Like, even though you know in your mind that I'll, be, I'll feel better, I'll be better, you just can't. You're like, why can't I? And the research on this is Endless, like billions of dollars are spent on research about how people break habits. And some of the best research shows that people who break habits are not just people who stop doing something, they're also people who start doing something else. They actually recreate the habit by doing something new, by setting their hearts on a new focus, on something else that they're going to do, they're going to be, they're going to think about. In some ways, that's what God is doing to the people in the Bible at this time. It's not just breaking habits, but it's teaching them that the old life that they lived in Egypt is no longer who they really are. The old story about what they were told about who they are is not the truth about who they are. If you've been with us, you know this, right? You know that the old story is that they exist to be used by Pharaoh. They exist to be controlled by the powers and the people who are in charge. And now God has set them free. Like they're free. God has freed them, and, and I, I gave you this challenge, some of you know this, is to read through the book of Exodus. And, and some of you are doing that, and you're, it's a big challenge for some of you, I know. You're like, reading the Bible every day? That's crazy. Okay, just, you're getting there. Just keep at it. To get through the book of Exodus, and you realize that as the people are set free, God is going to teach them some new patterns, ways of thinking, ways of living. And a section in the Bible that teaches them that is a section we call the Ten Commandments. There are these commandments, not just 10, there's other commandments, but, but we're going to take, we've taken the summertime to just go through these 10 important commandments, and I've warned you that every time we in our culture hear the word commandment, we feel, we might not say, we feel, oh my goodness, more rule. This is a church about more rules, 
And I tried to warn you to not think of the commandments in that way. We've tried to really help you think of the commandments as these guidelines for what freedom really looks like. Now, that's weird for us, right? Because freedom equals do what I want. Freedom equals no rules. Freedom equals no guidelines. That's how the world teaches us about freedom. But the Bible actually tells us that that's not really what a biblical understanding of freedom is. That the people are set free, and now God gives them these parameters. These joyful, gracious ways of learning to be his people as they learn to kind of almost detox the lies of their old life, of Egypt, of what they were told about who they are. And so I want to begin, for some of you who are here for the first time, I may be listening for the first time, I'm going to show you how much people listen at our church. It's going to be great. Because I'm going to ask you to see if you remember the first two commandments. It's pretty simple. Anyone remember them? I, I tried this with my kids. And, and maybe if you have kids, you want to do this with them. Every week, ask them, what's the next commandment? Right? This is not something that we invented. Actually, Jesus would have learned the commandments as a young boy as well. You know. So the first commandment is that God is one. There's no other gods to be worshipped like him. And there is no God like him. There's only one God. If you missed it, YouTube. Okay? So, so, so there, there's that first one. The second commandment, if you remember that, is that you shall have what? No images of me as God. And that, if you missed it last week, so important. Because you're like, you sure? Maybe one little image. Maybe just something to help us. Something that we could have an argument with our friends and win the debate. Something. God's like, no. No images. Because I cannot be contained in any image. Okay? And it's important to understand those two commandments because the commandment we're looking at today is a little bit connected to those two, right? But here's a sad part of the story. That if you're reading the book of Exodus, you know that the people of God will break those two commandments fairly quickly in the story. It just breaks your heart. You're like, no, didn't you? You, you thought that God was kidding? Like you thought it was a joke? It's like, don't make any image. Don't make any statues. Don't think there's any other God. Don't do it. Don't do it. And one day... Moses is gone from being with the people. He's up on the mountain talking with God. And guess what? He's doing something that would drive most of us crazy. At least drive my youngest son crazy. He's taking long. You know, that's some of you right here? Yeah, that's the sin. God's going to heal that right now. Okay. He, they're like impatient. They're like, Moses, like, where is he? Like, this doesn't make sense. And they're impatient and they're nervous. And they're like, you know what? Like, we're, we're not sure. Maybe he's not even coming back. We're not sure. And they're in the desert. And if you haven't got to this part in Exodus yet, you will. They decide that they're going to make themselves an idol of God. And that idol is an idol of a golden calf. Maybe you know the story. Maybe like you remember it. And they make this idol of this golden calf and they start to worship it. I'll, I'll read it for you and you'll, you'll see. You'll be like, it's in the first two commandments. That's what it says. It's pretty profound. So all the people, and maybe this, you know, you'll read it, you'll be shocked. The wives, sons, daughters, and brought, brought to Aaron, took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. This takes some time. And then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Maybe something stand out right away. They're like, well, men had earrings too in the Bible? Yeah. Some of your kids just got a verse for that. You're like, tell Pastor Dom said I could get an earring. Whatever, it's there. They, they, they bring all their gold. They bring all their earrings. They're fashioned. And Aaron's like, makes this golden calf. And you know what's really profound about this? Is that when Moses is talking to God, God says to Moses, Moses, go down and your people have done what I told them not to do. And what's profound about when you read about this is that Moses takes the commandments and he breaks them. So actually, the commandments that we have are a second copy of the commandments. As a statement that they and their hearts have already broken the most essential commandments that God had given them. Now, I want you to just remember this. If you're taking notes, maybe this is new. We're the kind of church that wants to help you to think about your faith just a little bit more. Okay? You can go back to the slide. They make this statue, and they don't say, we're worshiping another god. They don't say, we're so happy that we get to worship all the gods. They actually say, hey, we're going to create a statue and we're going to say that this is the statue of the God who freed us from Egyptian bondage. They still think what they had learned in Egypt. That gods are just spirits that you use when you want and you can actually call them and place them into other objects and they become your God. This is so important to remember because the third commandment is actually about that problem. 
It's actually the third commandment we're going to look at is what it means when we call on God and use his name and what kind of power comes with that when we use his name. In Egypt, it was so common to believe that the gods are gods you call on and based on the right way that you call on the gods, sometimes like a spell, you actually allowed that God to enter another thing and then it became your God. So the Jewish people are like, I think we can do this. Like, I think it's fine. We're going to make a calf and then we're going to sacrifice to the God who set us free and he's going to somehow make his home in this calf. Negative. That's not how this works. Moses is like, what have you guys done? So you can see that the people of God, although they have the commandments, they're not sure how those commandments apply yet to their lives. This is good for us to remember because we feel that. Like, I feel that sometimes. Like, I read the Bible, and I'm like, this is beautiful, but what do I do with this? Will this help me help my kids clean their room? No. Okay, I don't know. And, and, and this happens in our lives, and then we start to struggle, and then you know what? After a while, we just stop reading the Bible. Or like, I, I don't know how it works. I don't know if it's going to help my marriage. I don't know if it's going to help me make more money. I don't know if it's going to fix my problems. So why do we even have the Bible? Hopefully you're learning that the Bible is the book God gives us to form us, to change our thinking, to stretch us, to shape us, to teach us to repent, to teach us to see how great he is, all of these things. So now we get to commandment number three. Some of you have heard this commandment. Some of you know it by heart. But one of the things I've done is I put the commandment on the slide. You'll see it in a second in two different translations. So you could see them differently. And one I think is more common and one you've probably heard most in your life. Even if you're not even a Christian or even like you believe in God or you know somebody, you probably know this commandment. You'll see it on the screen. You can go to the slide. Here it is. Okay, commandment number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember I just told you about using the name of God, right? Or thou shalt not, you like that? Thou, that King James, people using your King James Bible? It's, it's hardcore. You're like, we're British. All right. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him or her guiltless that taketh his name in vain. How many of you probably know the second one a bit better? Because you hear the word in vain. Anyone? How many of you don't even care? You're already like, oh, when is he going to be done? Because I'm tired. How many? You can leave right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's just Joe. It's okay. It's okay, it's just jokes. You shouldn't leave right now because it's going to get better. It's wild. But the, one of the things I want to say right as we begin, okay, if you're watching, you want to write this down, is this commandment has almost nothing to do with swearing. Okay? Almost, like, just write it here. Like, I was told not to swear, commandment number three. Really, no. Not really. Now, it, you shouldn't swear. Okay, that's, it's important. <laughs> But this commandment is really not about that. Now, when I was young growing up, I think I just, I think you shouldn't say God's name like, like whatever. And now we, we found a way around that, right? We use OMG and it can mean anything. <laughs> you don't know what's in my heart. I love the Lord, whatever. But Quebec is a very unique province for this. You know, many swear words in Quebec are church words. So it's like, it's like we know how to swear and swear the church and swear against the priest and use words. You hear the words in your head right now. You know this. So not that we shouldn't be careful when we say God's name because there's a reverence about speaking about God, right? The Bible says God's holy and all that. But this commandment, when we just make it about swearing, we kind of, it loses its power and the depth of what it's about. So I want to help you understand something deeper about what this commandment means. This commandment is, is made, you really have to understand that it's built in a time where the people are learning to be the people of God as a new civilization, in a new context. And so if you're, you're just starting, let me just go just a little bit deeper here. Remember that one of the ways people made deals with each other was oftentimes by using the name of their God. So one of the things they realize is that this command is a reminder to know that when you talk to someone and you want to make a firm promise about something, don't think you can just use God's name to get you out of it if it doesn't work out. It's actually a command about how a society is held together because God's people are going to be people who keep their promises. This is really important. I was thinking of a title for the sermon and I came up with this thought. I hope it helps. It's like, this is commandment is how God makes us trustworthy. God is always teaching us to be those who are trustworthy. Those that other people can trust. 
All of you hope you hire someone who's trustworthy. Many of you hope you marry someone who's trustworthy. Many of you are trying to raise kids, trying to teach them to be trustworthy, to tell you the truth. And in this time where the people of God are learning to worship God, to leave their old life about how God was used, and now to be people who can be trusted and keep their promise, think about how important this is for their community, for their relationships with one another, for their deals, for how their economy works, right? I thought about this. It's so practical. And you see how beautiful it is compared to just like don't say bad words. Like it's not just about that. But don't use God's name in a way that's lost its ability to say you're a trustworthy person. God's like, you know what? You're going to be so trustworthy that you won't even have to use my name when you make a deal. That's the kind of people you're going to be. And all the other religions are like, wait a second. So when we make a deal, you bring your God and we'll bring our God and they'll make it. No, we don't need to. We, don't, we can't bring you our God. We don't have a statue for our God. We can't even say his name in a way that's inappropriate, but we will be trustworthy. I thought about this just in life. We're living in a time where everybody has questions about liars, about people you can't trust, about people you can commit with, relationships are falling apart. This, a few weeks ago, this happened to me. I was talking to one of my neighbors, and he has a big issue he has to fix in his backyard. He's talking to me about tools, about building. You know what's happening to me when that happens? I'm getting sleepy. I get sleepy, right? Andy, don't laugh at me, okay? <laughs> already judging me. He's like, I got to fix this, fix that. I'm like, I, can't, I could pray. I, I can't help you with anything. Because <laughs> I'm horrible about that stuff. But it's a really big problem he has to fix in his backyard. So he's saying to me, he's getting contractors in to help him. And, and he said, last summer, a contractor came by and said they were going to fit in the job to do this big job. So I said, great. Is it done? They're like, no. They took $5,000 deposit and they never came back. I was like, what? Like they made you a promise, they, you gave the money, and they never came back. So I said, was it like a sketchy Italian? <laughs> That's so funny. This is, oh, we're honest here, right? It's a church. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the guy, he's, he's like, no, nah, I don't think so. I said, wait, there's a lot of Italians at our church. I'm going to show you pictures of people from our church on my phone. <laughs> and if one of them looks like that, then we're going to deal with it. I didn't do that, but it would have been good to do that. But, but I had a moment. <laughs> Some of you are like, we could smile at church. Anyway, the story is true, except for the weird part about the Italian. Okay? But I, I was like, I was so upset that somebody would do that. I thought, what would it look like for someone who's shaped by this commandment to make a promise and to say, I will show up again. I will do what is right. I will commit to what God told me I should do. This commandment is about us becoming people who are trustworthy. People who keep our word. That doesn't mean we don't change our mind. That doesn't mean we have to grow and we make mistakes. But it means that we know that our word is not just a word we give to a person that they might forget or they might let us off the hook or they might not. But our word is also a word that we give to God. One example we get of this in our culture is when people get married, even though Quebec doesn't do a good job with that. But, but when we make a promise to other people, we live in a time where this is such a broken part of our society that we've invented all kinds of things to fix this problem. We haven't gone back to the Bible to say we're going to get more serious. What have we done? We've said we're going to get insurance. Right? Insurance is our way of saying, I don't believe you. Or I want a deposit. And even that doesn't work because people scam you on a deposit. Right? All these things happen, and our society is trying to deal with something that all the way from the time of the commandments, God says, not with you. Not with you. You will be people who, when you use my name, you do it in a respectful way, and you remember that you are trustworthy because you're my people. Not because you've said my name like using God's name in a flippant way. Now, I'm going to go just a bit deeper, okay? For some of you, so far so good? Just, can we go deeper? Say, let's go just a bit deeper. A bit deeper? Half of you are not going to make it, okay? So we're just going to go a little bit deeper here. Because if you've read the Exodus, you know that Moses has already had a problem with this issue about God's name. You know this. And I want to just take you back to it so you understand this commandment even better. So you never come back to thinking, oh, this commandment is just about not swear. Just don't say mean words. That's not what this is. It's so much more than that. 
And some of you know that there's a time when Moses, who's the leader that God is using, Moses and Aaron and others, right? God is using them to set the people free. And if you don't know the story, I'll make it very, very simple. Moses is about 80 years old, and he's in retirement mode, okay? You know, and he's like, I'm done. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm a murderer. My life's a mess, and I'm tired, okay? And God says, Moses, perfect timing. You're the perfect candidate to go to Egypt and to set the people free. And Moses is like, I hate my life. Leave me alone, okay? That's what Moses is thinking. And the whole story, when you read about it, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. And God says to Moses, Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You're going to be used by me to set my people free. And Moses is like, wow, 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 wow. This is kind of weird. I don't know. Now, if you read the story, you know Moses is still not sure who this God is. He doesn't have the commandments yet. He doesn't have the Torah. He's kind of learning. He's like, okay, what, what are you like? When you're holy, okay, holy, take off my shoes. I got that, right? So he's learning as he goes. And then Moses does something that he would have learned in Egypt. I'm going to read it for you, and you see if you notice it. He does this. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites, let's say I even do this, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is your name? What's his name? Then what shall I tell them? This is profound. Moses knows what all Egyptians know, that in order to have the power of the God, you have to have the name of the God. And once you have the name of that God, you can wield the power of that God to do what you want him to do. In the ancient world of the Bible, this is called the principle of invocation. Invocation is calling the power of a God to work on your behalf. And Moses knows there's one special way that that happens. You need the God's name. That's what you need. And so God is trying to teach his people that this is not the kind of God that he is. If you're writing things down, you need to write this down. Moses is about to learn everything we have to learn almost every single day of our life. That we are people who are summoned from God. God is not summoned from us. God is the one who calls our name. We don't first call his. And they're going to learn that the way God works is he calls on them to do what he wants. They don't just wait around to use his name so that they will do what this God wants. Now, God is so gracious that he'll give us something, but he's trying to teach them this is not Egypt anymore. This is not the ways of Egypt. And Moses had to learn this, and the people of God have to learn this. And you know what's crazy? We have to learn this. We have to learn that when we worship and when we sing and when we read the Bible, we are learning about a God who calls our name and says, I came for you because I love you. He's not a God who's just waiting up there for us to use some spell that works, that he fixes a li life problems. And so this commandment is God saying to the people, you have to understand my name cannot be used in a flippant way and in some way to think that you can control or use me the way you learned about the gods in Egypt. That's not how this works. The other thing that they have to learn is that their understanding of God is not transactional. Does that make sense? Transactional is, I do something good, God deserves to do something good for me. That's transaction. God, I prayed every day, you fix my marriage. God, I gave a bit of money to the church, you fix my kids. God, that's a transaction. I do something, God does something. That's not how our relationship with God works. God's relationship with us is a relationship. It's, I love you, I'm going to be with you when you don't deserve it. And I'm going to be with you when you think you deserve it. I'm going to be with you when you make mistakes. I'm going to love you when you mess things up. It's a relationship paradigm of who God is, not a transactional paradigm of this or that, this or that. And you know what's so crazy? So many of us prefer a transactional God. So many of us wish God was, I'll do five good things, God, you do five good things. We love that. It's easy to measure, and we still control God. Moses is like, God says to Moses, not, not, not anymore. Now this is a relationship in which I've made promises to you and I keep my word. So you know what that means? You're going to become people who keep their word too. Great, great, go. Moses is like, it's not going to help. And this is the best part. 
God knows that Moses is like wrestling with this. So this is what God says to Moses about what his name is. You'll like this. It's a great name for your dog. Okay? You shall not, he says this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is God's name. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. How great this is. This is not a name. In the Hebrew language, this means I am the God who will always be. There's no English way of explaining that. This is kind of the best English we have. It's like God saying, there is no name that can contain who I am. This is so important for us because God, through this commandment, is calling us to a relationship with him, not just a transaction with him on a day when we feel like spiritual. Put it this way, if you want an easy way, Christianity and loving God is not a hobby. It's not something you do when you have extra time and you're not tired. It's a whole life journeying with the God who made us a promise. And that promise is, I've set you free, you are mine now. Now I will form you to be the kind of person who is trustworthy in the world. Do you want to be that kind of person? Do you want to grow into that kind of person? This is one of the most important things we have to learn because our whole world is built on the other paradigm. Transactions, how do I get God to do what I want? How do I kind of use God's name? And actually, when I was preparing for the sermon, I didn't want to get too deep with some of you on this, but there are books today on Egyptian spells and invocations on how to call on the Egyptian gods today. Chapters in the go, Amazon. Also, one of the most popular things, it's like on the New York Times best letter list so long, is the the book called The Secret. Have you ever heard of the book called The Secret? There's a Netflix thing on it. I have a slide for it. You'll, You'll just see it. It's all based on the law of attraction. You use the right words, the right positivity, and positivity comes back to you. If you get the wrong mistake, negativity is coming your way. So you got to be careful. The whole world, people love this stuff. And I meet Christians who who use this, and I'm like, so you think the world is governed by you using the right words with a God who said, I love you, even when you use the wrong words? You're going to give up a God who says, I love you, even when you mess up, for a God that's transactional? And the world's like, yeah. Let's, I like this better. You know why? Because we're still in control. And God's like, not with my people. This is a lie in our culture, and it stems from God telling his people in Egypt with this command, my name, my identity, my nature as a God is not like this. And if you try, it will not work. And if you think that this is the way I will bless you, you will miss the whole paradigm. It's so important that they become people who are trustworthy because God is trustworthy. Because God loves them. Because our words are a reflection of what we believe. Our words are a reflection of where our heart is at. Our words are a reflection of the God we claim that we worship. That's why in the Bible the devil is called the father of lies. Because it's, a, it's like a, a spitting in the face of who God is, which is a God who never lies. And we are people who want to be shaped by that God. So we don't have to use God's name when we make a deal. We just are trustworthy. You can trust me. Now I want to show you how beautiful this is because this commandment, remember, has consequences for people who think it doesn't matter. It has consequences for people who are like, it's not a big deal. God's going to know my heart. Don't worry about it. God's like, no, no, no. To miss this is to say something false about who I am as a God. To miss this is to think that you don't have to be someone who grows in faithfulness yourself. Are you a trustworthy person? Are you someone who keeps your word? Do your kids experience in your home someone who says what they're going to do? Are you that kind of person? I didn't always grow up in that kind of context. I remember at times even when I had to go to work when I was young and I had a job and I told somebody I was going to go to work and I woke up and guess what? I didn't feel like it. I was like, you know what? Does it really matter? Someone else will do it. What I'll do? I'll call in. Sick. Who cares? I got sick days. My word won't matter. It doesn't matter. It won't matter to my boss, but it matters if I'm a person that God is making trustworthy. It matters. Now, that doesn't mean I can't change my mind and tell my boss I can't go in. This is important because we change our minds. Something happens, we're, we can change it. But changing our minds requires a conversation with somebody. Changing our mind is saying, I used to think this, but I'm with our kids, right? This happens every day with our kids. 
Hey, you take us to McDonald's tomorrow. Take us to Granby Zoo next week. Take, I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Then next week comes, it's like, Dad, this is the week. Remember you said you are going to take us to Granby Zoo? I remember you said, it's like they remember everything. You don't remember where the remote is, but you remember Granby Zoo. Oh, I lose my mind. They remember everything. And we say, something changed. And they say, you lied to us. No, we changed our mind. It's different. But God is talking about people who make promises. We as a church really want to help you with that. And we think of ways of helping you with that. Some of you know how we do this. We invite people who are part of the 180 to sign a ministry covenant here. A ministry covenant that says, I am committed to putting roots down here to grow in this church and to be part of this community. And we ask you to sign something and to say, this is your word that you're going to pray, serve, give, be part of this community. This is us saying together, we're going to need help together to be trustworthy people. We're going to need help to grow and commit to learning together and to having someone come alongside of us when you notice maybe you're dropping the ball there. Do you need help with that? Do you need encouragement here? Do you need to pray with someone? Right? Because we're all human. And we need help with that. And in a culture that says, your word means nothing. Commit to something because it's a good day. And when it's raining, uncommit. Just lie. God's like, but you're my people. You're made in my image. And I formed you in a new way when I set you free from Egypt. You're going to be those who are trustworthy, not because you use my name in vain, but because your hearts have been changed. Do you want to be that kind of person? I promise you, the greatest gift you will give your kids is to model for them what it means to be a trustworthy person. In a world of lying, stealing, trickery, all of, just say, no, 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 we are people who love God. And because of that, our word means something. And we're going to commit to that. When Jesus was around, he noticed a trick that people had come up with to not use God's name, but to not grow in this area. And Jesus will address this in the New Testament. He'll talk about this very idea. He doesn't repeat the commandment, but he repeats the principle of this commandment. And Jesus does this in the most beautiful way. If you want to go home this week and read it in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6, Jesus is going to talk about relationships. Because Jesus knows that all healthy relationships are built on people who keep their word. You know this, I know this. All healthy life is built on somebody who makes a promises and keeps their promise. That's how life works. And Jesus talks about adultery. He talks about divorce. He talks about all those painful things that we feel when someone's word, you're, you're like, it fell apart. Oh, what happened? And then he talks about our words. And this is what Jesus says into the New Testament. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. It's the reference point for keeping your promise. Do not break your oath, but fulfill it to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it is its footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even a hair white or black, you know, grow on it. It goes on and on and on. Do you notice what the people had done? Do you catch this? They're like, of course we're not going to swear on the name of God in vain. We'll pick other things to swear on. You notice what they picked? Like, you ever do that when I swear on my son's head and baptism communion shirt? I know people who just do that. I'm like, what? What is that? I don't believe you. That's crazy. We look for all these other things to try to prove to someone, you could trust me. I'll swear on something. I'll put my hand on a Bible. Then you can trust me. Really? If God doesn't have your heart, no hand on a Bible is going to make you trustworthy. No hand on a Bible. No incantation of God's name. And all these things are fascinating. Jesus is like, you missed the whole point that you found other things to make an oath on? Jerusalem, the great city, that's got to count for something. I promise on Jerusalem that I will pay you for cutting the grass. I promise on this that I will give you 27 cows if you marry my daughter. I promise. Just think about it. They came with all of it and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 that's not how this works. You should be the people who don't have to attach anything to your promises. Because people know you have integrity because you are trustworthy. Because I have made you trustworthy. And I reminded you that your trustworthiness is not based on whether the person you're making a deal with is trustworthy. Your trustworthiness is based that you are my people. 
Do you understand how our world will be turned upside down if we lived like this? If people knew that you're making a deal from somebody of the 180, always deliver. They keep their word here because they're accountable to God and they believe it. That's what Jesus says. This moment where Jesus says, your words are not just a reflection of how you're feeling this day. Your words point to me. And if people can't trust you, they'll never trust you when you speak about me. Do you see how profound that is? We want people to believe in God. We want our world to be a better place. We want people to get their act together. But then we are not people who can be trusted with how we speak about our God. And the commandments were meant to correct that and to teach us that and to remember that God's name is not to be used just en passant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, yeah, yeah. And if you want to remember one last thing, one of the most beautiful things that Jesus will say He'll say, but when you pray to God in heaven, our Father, use my name. You're like, what? What, what, We've never had a name. There's names we can't use. You can't use my name. You can use my name because I have your heart. And from now on, Christians will start to pray and pray in such a way where Jesus' name will be the name with authority in their lives. Now, this is so important for us because even that, we found a way to make it all weird and strange. I have so many people in my life who don't believe in God. They're atheists. They think Christians are weird, and they're right. Okay, so they have all these things. And during COVID, they would send me videos of people who are against the government, against the vaccine, against, against, against. And they would have people yelling, in Jesus' name, don't touch me. In Jesus' name. All these things. And I'm thinking, we have turned the name of Jesus into a joke even in our society. That people in the world think that we use even the name of Jesus almost flippantly whenever we want something almost magical, like a spell, like his name is going to... And Jesus is like, no, no, remember? You use my name because I have your heart. See the difference? Because you bear my name, because you carry my faithfulness, you use my name now. And when that happens, we're careful about how we speak God's name. We're careful about how we talk about who God is. We're careful about how we live trustworthy lives. So today, I want to ask you a simple question. Are you someone that others can trust enough that when you speak about Jesus, they will trust you as well? Are you that kind of person? Or at least you want to be that kind of person. I'm going to have the band come back up and they're just going to Just help us to reflect and to think and maybe for some of you to pray. One of the hardest things we have to learn is that our words connect people to what we believe and they connect people to the God that we worship. And because we love God and because we're being formed by God and because he set us free from the ways of this world, we are those who are careful about using his name and that we would not use it in vain. Again, don't swear. Easy. But the harder part, don't think that God's name can be used if your heart is okay with lying. If your heart easily gossips and then you use the name of Jesus, do you think somebody will believe you? It's pretty basic. But Jesus says to the new, in the New Testament, and we understand that when this commandment takes root in our heart, we grow and we shape our lives around being trustworthy, not even for ourselves or for the world, but for our kids who see in us people who keep our word. For a coworker who is blessed because we are people who keep our word. For someone we made a deal with, they will be blessed because we worship our God, even if they don't believe in God. See how beautiful that is? That was the promise to the people of God. The nations will be blessed because you are my people. Today, we get a chance to say, God, we want to build our lives on this foundation. The truth about these commands. And not only the commands because they're old in the Old Testament, because Jesus brings them back to us and says, don't forget how important this is. Not because we're trying to get God to love us or trying to get God to fix our lives, because we want to be people who are trustworthy because God is trustworthy, because God is faithful, because God keeps his promises. So as we sing this song, 
I want you to do something, and it's going to be a moment that maybe you've never done, is I'm going to invite you quietly in your heart to have a moment of confession. Confession is weird for people. It's like you go in a box, or what do you do? You just say, I'm sorry. What would you? Confession is admitting the times in your life that maybe you've kind of maybe been too loose with your words. And that you have to say, God, I need you to remind me that my words and how I'm living my life and how I'm committing myself to people or saying certain things about certain things, they matter because they link back to the God that I worship. And maybe quietly, you might say, God, forgive me for maybe being too loose with that. God, forgive me for maybe not saying the whole truth there. Forgive me for not caring about faithfulness the way I should. And I promise you, maybe for some of you, God's going to say, you know that person that you promised this to? Call them up and apologize. Ask for forgiveness and see how I heal things. Just, just for a minute, just close your eyes. Just you and God. Probably haven't done this in a long time. Jesus said, I am the truth. So tell him the truth. Jesus said, I am the life. Be open with the kind of life you want to live. Jesus says, I have the way to the faithful father. What is the way he's calling you to? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Just stand as we sing the song before we close. Oh, 
Does Jesus have your heart? The answer is yes. People should trust you. People should be able to trust you. Maybe you're here, maybe you're listening online, and you don't know what it's like to give Jesus your heart. Obviously, it's hard to know, like, how do we give him our heart? But at its core, it's just saying, Jesus, I want to trust you with my life. And I want to build my life on your teachings because I believe what you said when you said we can only worship one God. So maybe for you this morning, you're ready to take that step to give Jesus your heart. Maybe you're ready to just commit in a new way and saying, God, I don't want to just visit church or learn a bit of the Bible. Or I just want this to shape everything of way. I want to be formed in your way of life. I want my life to have the foundation, which is who you are and your teachings and your love and your grace. I want that. Maybe just close your eyes and I'm going to pray for us. Maybe this is a prayer for you. Father, for anyone who's here this morning or maybe listening online, who's never taken that step to build their life on your firm foundation, your teachings, your way of life. Would you answer the prayers of their hearts? Would you show them now what it means to say yes to you, to surrender their lives in this moment, and to begin this new journey of having their lives formed as those who are really set free? I pray that this would be a day of new beginnings for them, where the past, the old, the Egypt stories, the habits would begin to die and you would begin to do something new, the way you've done it in my life and in so many other lives. I pray for those who are praying that and who long for that, that you would help us to walk with them and journey with them. For those of us who love you and understand that you're calling us to be obedient, I pray that you would help us. We surrender this morning to you, God. Make us those who are trustworthy. Teach us how sacred that is because we bear your name. And you are the faithful one. Forgive us for the times that we have failed to understand this. And we thank you for Jesus. That because of his name and his life and his sacrifice, we stand here and can pray to you and ask for you to do these things in our lives. Because it's in his name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, we love you all, and we just want to encourage you. You don't need to rush off if you want to talk to someone. If you're maybe just wondering about taking that step, we have a prayer space just in the corner here that you can go to pray with someone. And if you have time on Tuesday, we'd love to see you in our class, or else have a great week. God bless everyone.